morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Cancel your future plans and remember this moment. This is where it all went oh so right or oh so wrong. Quaid, we don't have Mm -hmm. to dream about it anymore Mm -hmm. because The Rock has not ruled out a run for president in 2020. Did we call this? Oh, we called it. I was pretty sure. We can. I just want every press conference to open up with listen up, jabronis. (laughs) And then Ah. that's fine. I don't care about policy. <laughs> I don't care about it. foreign relations. As long as that happens, uh, okay. This is this is the Hector Alizondo Mountain Dew Camacho, Camacho, Dwayne, Dwayne Alizondo that's Mountain right, Dew. Yes, that's right. Uh, see, to me, and I know that that uh, jokes can be made about the election of our president-elect Donald Trump, but if the Rock runs for president in 2020, you would think it would be either as a Democrat or an independent. The party that's in the Oval Office, history says, doesn't have a primary. Are we sure the Rock's a liberal? I, I don't, I don't know. know what the Rock's... We were, eh. if, you look at, if you look at his career choices, uh, it, it's kind of a guy who, who doesn't scream liberal to me. I I just I'm amazed. Maybe he is. I don't know. That this is our lives now. This like, is... we're, we're too late. Yeah, this is our <laughs> lives. We're we're too late to yeah. explore the new world. We're too early to explore the galaxy. But we're just in time to see the Rock try to become president. That's <laughs> that's what we're in time for. I think producer Josh just earned a larger role on this show. Uh, we 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 talked about this in kind of a joking manner. Geez, over the last uh, year plus, mm-hmm. and we got to a point where we thought maybe that everybody had enough of what had been going on, that it was so distasteful that nobody wanted to go there with people who weren't, and, I, and I'm going to use the term loosely, professional politicians. Mm-hmm. And what has happened is either the people who do this for a living finally caught up to where we were a year plus ago. Or they think they're out in front of something, and we haven't caught up, and they've already rinsed and cleansed and are bringing it back around. <laughs> they've already used the bidet, and now they're back for ah. another go. Yeah, we'll see how this ends up. So I just I saw that uh, last night that it was printed up again this morning, and I went, "Oh my god, this is." Are this you is ready where for The at. Rock versus Oprah or Tom Hanks? Because this is <laughs> no, twenty four hours ago. This is a conversation we were having. I may. This is happening. I this may leave really the country happening. before that election happens. We, <laughs> we we have crossed. We're through the looking glass mm-hmm. into Saturday Night Live land. We've truly jumped the shark. Well, this I, is it. but to me, this this is, and, and it's fun to, to kind of poke fun at it. But the the bigger question, and I think what this comes down to is is are we a culture of substance anymore? Or are we purely a culture of celebrity and image? I think that's the bigger mm. question that we have to get after. And that's not saying that, that The Rock isn't a man of substance. I don't know him well enough. But I think this sort of, uh, of line of thinking uh, leads you down this path to think, are we a culture, a country of substance, or have we simply become a country in culture of image? 
And do we need to be entertained at a certain level almost every moment of our waking existence? Even if there are things going on that need us to, to, to address them in an adult way, mm-hmm. do we still desire entertainment while that's going on? Does the, does the entertainment factor come first before everything else? I need to be entertained while I vote. I need to be entertained while I consume information. Is entertainment, by that line of thinking, our modern version of Napoleonic religion? Because remember, uh, Napoleon, he, he, he loved the fact that his subjects were religious. He wasn't extremely personally religious, but uh, he called it the, the opiate of the masses. And, mm. and he famously said, it's what keeps the poor from murdering the rich in the streets. So he was for religion essentially as a control, yeah. as a way to keep you from you know thinking about the situation in a different light or doing that. Is being entertained, are you not entertained? Is that sort of our modern version of religion for those who have made the state Is that the secular religion? version? Right. Is that the yeah. secularized version of religion? Right. Being entertained, and are we willing to be amused so that we don't think about what's going on, so that we don't try to incite revolution. There will be 400-level classes taught on this time out in the future somewhere. Now, that's if the whole post-secondary uh, you know, structure of education doesn't devolve into, as we were talking about in the green room before the show, the University of Kindercare. Well, and you bring up post-secondary education. This is a great segue to what <laughs> we're going to be talking about with Ben Yount. Illinois Watchdog coming up on the show. Yesterday afternoon, Governor Rauner penned a letter to the Council of Community College Presidents in the Mm -hmm. state of Illinois and basically called on them to acknowledge the state that the state is in under its current operating system. I'm just going to join or grab one sentence from this. We can't use, and this is the governor writing, we can't use regulatory relief nor the repeal of unfunded mandates to pay our employees. So we're going to need a budget because their post-secondary education in the, uh, in the Madigan v. Rauner battle are suffering because there has been no budget. Well, Should, now, we can talk about cutting administrative bloat and operating closer to the belt, but those are all things you talk about when you make a budget. Right. Well, and at the end of the day, is this really a conversation towards uh, those at community colleges across the country, or is that just being used as a vehicle to have a larger conversation? Here Maybe state, even a, yeah. right, or, or a, a one-on-one conversation with the speaker or those who've been elected to the House. Coming up, we'll talk with Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, about those very things. Madiganizing a message, why it worked, and why you're going to see this again in the upcoming midterm elections when we go and elect, either re-elect Governor Rauner or elect a new governor in the state of Illinois. That coming up in just about uh, 20, 23 minutes here on the morning meeting. All right, next. President-elect Trump is starting to put together his leadership team. He's reached out to make certain unusual choices so far. We'll discuss some of those coming up here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. That's how you kick a season off. That was a lot of fun to watch some of those matchups. I'm entertained! It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid, somebody who really fits in our mold of infotainment. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, coming up with us in just about oh, 15 minutes or so here on the morning meeting. Do we have a problem brewing in Chicago? Mmm. A remnant of the Obama administration continues to be mayor of the Windy City, and he has said that Chicago will, quote, always be and always welcome its status as a sanctuary city. Yeah, well, he's not alone. No, there are several across the country, uh, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, many other liberal-leaning cities. This is why we need to, and and, uh, nothing against uh, Ben Yount, but we need to get somebody on who legally understands the balance between federal mm-hmm. and state and, and, and cities and, and things like that to, to answer and be a little more clear. Not Again, not that Ben, ben can't e- explain some stuff because we want to talk with Ben about this, but what does this mean? Well, I, I mean, at first blush, it means a state that's already on financial mm. hard times. Right. If President-elect Trump follows through with his plan to withhold federal funding from cities that deem themselves sanctuary cities. Because think about this from the federal level. One of the few things that the federal government's actually empowered to do is to protect its citizens from from, from invasion. Mm-hmm. And when you have someone here illegally, they're, they're a foreign invader. So one of the few things that the federal government is actually tasked with is the safety and security of our borders and the safety of its citizens. And so along those lines of thinking, withholding federal funding from cities that are breaking the law and advertising that they're breaking the law is one of the few recourses because you're not going to turn the National Guard on your own on your own. I citizens. can't imagine that that, that that would be the response. So, but 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 what does it mean? Well, it means we're, in we're the, even harder financial times in the it, state. It means of harder financial times, I would say, at least for the city of Chicago for that. But what does it mean if Rom uh, holds to this and nothing can get, nothing gets worked out? All of a sudden, you're going to have kind of a, a magnet for illegals in the Windy City, even even more so than it is now. Right. And again, and what does that mean right. for the state? Well, that's exactly what we have to suss out. And you brought up accurately when we started this. Chicago, far from the only sanctuary city in the country. They're, they're dotted all across the landscape from coast to coast. And you talk about uh, the federal government protecting its people. If you are an illegal immigrant, and, and let's, I don't want to take it beyond I'm somebody from Mexico or Central America who's, who's coming here trying to make some money and, and send it back home for my wider uh, family. Uh, say I'm somebody from another part of the planet who's wants to come here, kind of disappear mm-hmm. at, with a plan to do harm. Well, now where is the obvious place I'm going to go? Sanctuary New York, cities. Philadelphia, Chicago, Minneapolis, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Those those sanctuary cities. All those cities have NFL teams too. I think it's tinfoil hat conspiracy theory time. <laughs> 
Okay. We just rocked producer Josh back with that one. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how this goes. And, and this, to me, is going to be kind of the first squabble that Trump gets into domestically if he tries to withhold federal funding mm-hmm. from those cities uh, when they look at the budget. So who will be helping him make those decisions? Uh, not a lot of announcements uh, anticipated to be made early this week. End of the week uh, is what we're hearing as far as some major announcements on the uh, Trump leadership team. Uh, conservative radio host and author Dr. Uh, Laura Ingram, who's been a guest on this show, is being mentioned as a potential candidate for White House Press secretary. Uh, she's been a, uh, a, a longtime uh, Trump supporter. Uh, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, uh, Newt Gingrich, we'll get to him in a moment, all being considered for uh, cabinet picks. Uh, retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, he was a big Trump supporter, mm-hmm. also being considered for a top post. And obviously, you're looking at something either in intelligence or, uh, or, or security along those lines uh, for the retired general. Um, Rudy Giuliani, we've been speculating about this. He's come out and said now he won't be attorney general, that he's looking at something like secretary of state. Uh, there's been a lot of pull for former ambassador and highly respected on both sides of the aisle, John Bolton, to maybe end up with that role as secretary of state. Yeah, that's that, uh, you talk about, OK, so what does somebody bring to the table? And that's why I think immediately people thought of attorney general for Rudy mm-hmm. when he starts saying, well, maybe I'd like to be secretary of state. Then you start to have to have the conversation. Well, are there people who are also in this group with Rudy who, who might be able to do that better? I mean, you don't want to leave Rudy on the outside. No, I don't. But think is he, he kind be. of is he kind of putting himself in an area where maybe his skills aren't best utilized. I'm not saying that he doesn't have connections and 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 couldn't be a good sec, you know, uh, secretary of state. Secretary of state. But uh, are there people who who would be better suited to that, who are uh, also close? To me, this is the first test of a president elect is putting together your leadership team that then fills these very important positions for the country upon your inauguration. So this is a key time, and I think even more so than in the past, because of the terror threat level right now. Uh, President Bush, 43, made a great point in one of the rare interviews that he'd given recently, and he said, look, it's, it's well known now that those who wish to do the country harm pick times when we're less prepared and a change of office and some of the confusion that that brings about as you transition is seen as a fertile time for that. So many in the intelligence community who are anticipating this are projecting that there's going to be an attempt at something uh, in the early, maybe first quarter next year as that transition leads us to what many perceive to be a bit of a vulnerable time. Is that, uh, as Josh was talking about the other day, art of war level Uh, stuff? There's that level to it, sure. Oh, you were looking at me. Yeah, okay. Uh, we referenced right. you. Okay. He, just, he just got us right there. We thought he would speak. Right. Instead, he stayed silent. He's picking the battleground. <laughs> one of the yeah. Sun Tzu's asking for confirmation on yes. what, what are you going to do? There, Josh, yeah. Sure. So this we'll, is true. We'll see. Uh, information, and that that begs the question that I think we we grapple with now is information versus disinformation. And but if you look at it strategically, you can certainly understand. Uh, why President well, Bush would would mention that? Mm-hmm. Um, other things that I thought uh, were interesting along the way. Uh, where did it go? Let's see. 
Uh, ben Carson being considered for uh, Secretary of Education or Health and Human Services. Uh, I think that'd be a, a great one. Uh, they did confirm, uh, I think it was Fox reported yesterday, that Richard Grinnell, former U.S. spokesman to the U.N. under the Bush administration, has been confirmed as the U.N. ambassador for the U.S. That makes him the first openly gay U.S. ambassador. Okay, if, you, okay. if you look at that, but if you look, see, here's, here's why I think that that, if it happens, will quell some needless worrying and hand-wringing. The industrial media complex in this country and its liberal leanings are trying to stir up things to disenfranchise people from expected or projected Trump moves or sentiment. Donald Trump has never at any point campaigned against gay marriage or against an alternative lifestyle. In fact, in his wide-roaming interview with, I think it was 60 Minutes over the weekend. Yeah, it was. Uh, he said, no, the Supreme Court's already ruled on it. I'm fine with it. It's that, that's the law. That's fine. We're going forward. And but are you, are you implying that it was a, a, a hire because of sexual preference? I'm, in, I'm implying that, that not, I'm not saying that the gentleman's not qualified. I'm saying that him also being openly gay should extend an olive branch to the LGBT community who had nothing to fear in the first place, but you've got this liberal media industrial complex trying to whip people up into a frenzy mm-hmm. with nothing. And this, to me, is further proof that a Trump presidency isn't in any way going to be an anti-alternative lifestyle presidency. Right. So in the what you're saying is he's in not that a whole, social I'm justice I'm warrior. Afraid, right. Yeah. He's not a he's not an I I you know ideologue of of the uh, of the uh, uh, right wing. Uh, section uh, of the tent that is there for the religious right. I mean, he, he that was never his stomping ground. That was no. never his platform no. that he ran on. So people who are, don't buy that. Okay, that's just a liberal media complex trying to whip up dissent over something that was never right. part that's of the, his agenda anyway. That's the tinder on which they want to light yeah. you on fire. Yeah, so understand, and, and he's a, he's a, a, a populist, and he's going to have policies all over the place. I mean, he's his his uh, uh, post secondary education uh, uh, loan, your, your college loan policy. He's essentially lifting it from the, the Sanders campaign. I mean, you look at what he's proposing for government spending on infrastructure. We need to address our crumbling infrastructure in this country. It's a pretty liberal policy that, Approach, that he's right. a- a- actually espousing right now. Does he want the Supreme Court to be a little more conservative? Yeah. So, so far, you've seen somebody who wants to get certain things done, and some of them are more uh, small-C conservative. Some of them are, he's going about it, more small-L liberal. So this is somebody who's going to be kind of an in-the-middle-of-the-road type guy. At, at least at this point. I mean, it's it's been a week. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, where this actually goes, but I think uh, some of these nominations are very interesting and uh, should lead to, I think, a a varied and and balanced approach uh, from Trump. One thing I do want to talk about is the left's reaction to the announcement that Steve Bannon is going to have a position sort of on par with chief of staff. This is an offshoot of, I think, what you were talking about just before mm-hmm. the previous topic. I think if you want to cite philosophical and policy differences uh, with Steve Bannon, who we have not had on the show, 
I do not know personally. I've never had any direct interaction with him. Mm-hmm. Things I do know about him. Distinguished naval officer, Harvard Business School graduate. So you can't say that the guy's not an intelligent, thoughtful guy. If you, you can disagree with his policies and disagree with the position that he's been given, but portraying him as some kind of dim-witted hate monger because they ran some clickbait titles at Breitbart is beyond the pale. Yeah, you would think that the uh, Northeastern elites would recognize that he's got uh, two big boxes checked off in their book. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, but that right now, this is how he's being. Uh, this is how he's being framed up. All right. This morning in Springfield, the Illinois legislature is back together for its veto session, and they scheduled it right now just to give us something to talk about with Ben Yount, the Illinois watchdog. Bruce Rauner meeting with the uh, heads of the state of Illinois. This is the meeting that Mike Madigan eschewed yesterday because of, quote, scheduling conflicts. It's back on, and they're set to meet as we speak right now. We'll talk about it with the Illinois watchdog next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Just back from his rampage under the supermoon. It's the Illinois watchdog, Ben Yount, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, boys. How are we? Uh, we're doing just great. The meeting is just underway in Springfield uh, between Governor Rauner and the uh, four leaders of the uh, political, uh, well, uh, of the legislature. Uh, this was the meeting yesterday that uh, Mike Madigan had a scheduling conflict for, but now it's back on. What are they really going to get done, or is this just some uh, circus time for the camera? Well, I, I imagine this is once again, hey, how you been? How was, uh, how was your summer? I still don't like you. We still don't agree on anything. Uh, I know that the election happened, but doesn't matter. We're still going to do the exact same thing. Listen, th- these guys haven't changed their minds, nothing at the Capitol, there is no change in the political calculus, so putting them together in the same room isn't going to matter. The, the Republicans took a lot of seats, and Madigan took, took a square blow to the chin, but not enough to, to change the basic, brutal arithmetic that Democrats still control the legislature. And they're not going to give in on this business reform package that the governor wants, and so once again, like we have learned time after time during this budget crisis, we across the state are going to have to feel real pain before anybody in that room is willing to compromise or move off the dime. This is, as you said, just all show for, for the cameras. You know, it, it, you'll get the picture of them walking in and then walking out, and nothing will change. But at least they can't be, you know, criticized for just skipping the meeting. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. Ben, you mentioned the re- Republicans gaining seats in the House and the Senate. Uh, Will Gazzardi and Kelly Cassidy, Democrats from Chicago, have said that uh, Speaker Madigan now needs to get into the process of getting some things done for the state and not just sitting off to the side and refusing t- to play ball. And, and they, they've said that if he doesn't engage, they might not uh, vote for him uh, for Speaker. 
This, by the way, would be the first time I, I think I saw uh, that anybody would vote for somebody other, a Democrat would vote for somebody other than Madigan for speaker since ni- 1980-something, ni- 1983? I, I want to say it was 1985, okay. and it was Frank Martino's father, and he voted present. He just he didn't vote for somebody else. He just didn't vote for Madigan, and in short order, he was stripped of all of his power at the Capitol. I mean, he still got his paycheck, and he still had to show up, but any influence he had, any, any extra perks that he had for being on a committee or a committee chairman or you know, any, any, any swag that he had at the Capitol disappeared. Mike Madigan has dealt with uh, you know, some, some unhappy campers in the past, and usually he deals with them how he deals with all of his problems, through brute force. I, I appreciate uh, you know Representative Gazzardi and Representative Cassidy talking as if they are going to be independent. But when when push comes to shove, you know you can be afraid of the Chicago Tribune editorial board at a point in the future, or you can be afraid of Mike Madigan right now. And usually, fear right now trumps fear at some unknown unknown point in the future, and and that's part of what makes Madigan Madigan. Yes, you're going to make your local newspaper very happy by voting against Mike Madigan, but you're going to make everybody else in the Capitol very angry at you. And, and which do you want? You can deal with a, with, with, with a disappointed local editorial board. You know, if, if you have to deal with a disappointed House Speaker, then, you know, you, you're, you're not going to have the, the perks or the pay or the power that you may have had by simply casting that yes vote, it's a it's it's a damned if you do. It's a it's a plumo. What, what is it? Plumo or plato? Letter silver. The, the the famous narco choice. You know, you you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But in in a sense, you're damned right now if you vote against Madigan. You may be damned at some point uh, before the next election if you vote against or if you vote with it. So you know, it, it's it, pick pick your poison, and uh, Democrats are going to have to do it. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Illinois Republican Party Executive Director Nick Klitzing came out and uh, hailed the Madiganizing of messaging in the run-up to the election, uh, talking about how well it worked with Republicans uh, picking up six seats in the Illinois uh, legislature as a result of what they uh, termed and were able to send a message that was Mike Madigan's responsibility uh, does this just signal that we're going to get more of this style messaging when we look at the midterm and the election for governor coming up in 2018? And should we be looking at it for it in our mailbox tomorrow? <laughs> Maybe not tomorrow. They need a few days to do some fundraising. But uh, Nick is right. And I know Nick, and he's a, he's, he's a nice guy. Uh, he's, he's right to a certain degree. The Madiganizing of the message did work, that you always run against a boogeyman. Unless you can run on the side of the angels, unless your guy is Ronald Reagan and Abraham Lincoln combined into one conservative force, you run either for someone or something, or more to the point, against someone. And so this idea that they have made Mike Madigan the boogeyman, they've tried that for years. This is this is not a new theme. What is new is the tens of millions of dollars that Republicans were finally able to put into this race. The same message we've heard that Mike Madigan is the bad guy down in Springfield for decades. We've heard that Mike Madigan is controlling the strings of these lawmakers like puppets for the past three elections. 
what happened this year that had never happened before that changed the calculus of all of this is that finally Bruce Rauner and Bruce Rauner's friends were able to put tens of millions of dollars behind this message so now voters across the state couldn't get past their mailbox or their television or their radio without hearing local Democratic candidate Mike Madigan's the boogeyman. And, and that's what it is. So, yes, Madiganizing the message worked, but anytime you put tens of millions of dollars behind something, it's going to work better, and that's how we got here. So, but, but you're right. It, it, this, was the, this was the blueprint in 2016. It is going to be the blueprint on steroids in 2018. It doesn't matter who the Democrats run for governor. It is going to be Bruce Rauner versus Mike Madigan. And, and the, the name of the Democratic candidate for governor in two years almost doesn't matter because we saw round one, Rauner, Madigan. We will see round two in 2018. Is it zero or 0. 0.0 the percentage chance that someone besides Madigan is elected Speaker of the House this week? I, I would say it is 0. 0.0. 0. 0.00000. First of all, you, you may have anger at people who are, are going to you know, be displeased with the Speaker when the new General Assembly is sworn in. You may have a couple of lawmakers who think that they are brave enough to not vote for Madigan, but there's no one else who's there. It is not as if some other Democrat is going to stand up and say, hey, guys, I'll do it. That's that's even dumber than voting against the speaker. Mike Madigan is going to be the speaker of the House. Now, the only question is, does Mike Madigan learn from this lesson? Don't forget, when, when I first came to the Capitol, the Republicans had seized control of the House for two years. Madigan essentially spent those two years in his office figuring out how to never lose again. Now, he's been given a warning shot. He's vulnerable. Is he going to take this next year, these next two years, and figure out how not to lose again in 2018? Or is he going to stick his head in the sand and heels in the dirt and say, I'm not changing, because you know he's running against something he's never seen before. And look around us. Illinois is a, is a blue island in a sea of red, and Donald Trump is the president. This is going to be one hell of a fight, even in Illinois, for Mike Madigan to work. This is all about him, not about somebody else. Ben, you out with us this morning on the morning meeting. You talk about the blue island in the sea of red. That is the Chicago Tribune uh, headline uh, from this morning. Uh, just a, a brief article with a whole lot of graphs attached to it, touting the Blue Island in a sea of red. And a lot of people said, uh, no, 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 whittle that down to, you know, a city as the island or, or, or Cook County as that Blue Island. And the, the article itself was, was touting that Blue Island surrounded by red. But if you look at how Illinois' finances are and the people that are leaving, how, how can that be a, a good thing and that the red states that are surrounding us be full of dummies and we're the shining city on a hill as this lone blue state at a certain point 50 million elvis fans can't be wrong <laughs> wisconsin missouri iowa indiana michigan kentucky all of our neighbors have have gone red have, have made some of the changes that governor rauner is asking for here you know, i i get the i get the press releases from the, the, the Department of Workforce Development in Madison, Wisconsin, and they're at 4% unemployment, and they're adding manufacturing jobs. There were, there were two cities 
in Wisconsin named the best for manufacturing employees in the country. We didn't have a single city in the state of Illinois. Kentucky had a, had a, had an entire metroplex that was it was one of the best places if you make things with your hands. Illinois isn't there. You're, you're right. When you look at Illinois, I think it was maybe six counties total went for Hillary Clinton, and it's Cook County, and then either college counties or big union counties, like the Quad Cities, huge union counties. They're going to go for Hillary Clinton. Champaign County went for, for Hillary Clinton. But when you actually get down and you look and see who they are electing to, to the state capitol, Outside of the map, you know, you're getting a lot of Republicans. This is this is going to be the, the the problem for Illinois and the problem for Madigan. The the voting public in America clearly rejected this notion of a big government for government that benefits government and government workers. Illinois is the last to pick this up. I, I say this all the time. This is not a fight between R and D, blue and red, conservative and liberal. This is a fight between big government and the status quo and taxpayers. And, and Mike Madigan has made a killing politically funding his campaigns by turning to the, to the status quo and the people who benefit from big government. And, and that's why 2018 is going to be such an interesting fight. Because it really is going to be, do we have a state that is open for business, or do we have a state that is business as usual? And if it's business as usual, I and a lot of other people will be gone by the summer because we can't afford to live in this blue island in a sea of red. One of the things uh, that has come about in the last 24 hours is a Chicago Mayor Emanuel saying that uh, the, the Windy City will remain a sanctuary yeah. city. Uh, Trump be damned. What what effect does that have? I, I, a lot of people just, well, that's a How Chicago thing. How much damage thing. does it do if we lose that federal funding? Well, what does it do to the rest of the state if it stays a sanctuary city and then it draws more illegals in and the state has to jump in and help cover them, you know, with other things? I, what does this mean moving forward? First of all, I, I'm absolutely just beside myself with laughter at the notion that, that liberal Democrats, who for the past eight years have told cities and states and school districts to shut up and get in line, you know, there, there, is a, there is a federal rule that says you have to do this, you have to do this, and, and now all of these people are saying, well, just because the president says, says that this is what he wants doesn't mean it's what we have to do. This, this notion that they can run Chicago differently than they can run Dallas just is, it, it, we've been calling for this, we as conservatives have been calling for this for years. Now, you're right. Uh, if, if Illinois and other big cities say they are going to be sanctuary cities, there are serious questions to, to be answered about cost. This is why you need to double and triple and quadruple check for benefit fraud, making sure these people don't end up on Medicaid or on food stamps. They're not supposed to. These programs are only for legal U.S. citizens. Uh, they're not here for people who are in this country illegally. Uh, but, you know, elections have consequences. Choices have consequences. The city of Chicago decides that keeping immigrants who are in this country illegally is more important than millions of dollars in federal funding. Well, there is an election every couple of years for mayor, and the voters will have an opportunity to sort this out. It's the same thing in the state capitol. You are not going to see anyone lift a finger south of the Cook County line to support a sanctuary city, not in Donald Trump's America, not in this state. It is it is for, it is fascinating to me that the people who demanded hegemony when it came to gender-neutral locker rooms are now willing to go down in a fight for individual 
cities' rights or federalism when it comes to immigrants. This is the hypocrisy would be laughable if it wasn't so damn serious. But that's that's where we are. And yeah, I mean, listen, the city of Chicago is screwed. They got to get two hundred million dollars that the state doesn't have just to make this teacher contract work. Do they really want to go to the mattresses over immigration six weeks after Donald Trump won the presidency? I, I just I don't see that happening. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. Cranes uh, came out with a story. This looks like it was uh, from uh, yesterday talking about uh, Dick Durbin and his position uh, in D.C. as uh, assistant minority leader might be in jeopardy. If Durbin doesn't carry the swagger uh, in D.C. that he's come accustomed to having, does does he kind of say, nah, I might want out? And And I know we've been down this road before. Does Durbin decide maybe he wants to be governor? Dick, Dur- Dick Durbin would have everything that I think a Democrat would want in a candidate for governor. But Dick Durbin would be silly to run against Bruce Rauner. First of all, senators make terrible governors because as a senator, you don't really have to do anything. You just get to kind of talk about things. You're just sort of there. You're, 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 you're part of the, the nation's most elite lunch club. Uh, Dick Durbin hasn't really done anything. And so, first of all, he's not going to have a great record to run on. Second of all, Donald Trump got elected president, so it's not like he can come back and tout the Obama agenda. Uh, but he would, he would get buried by money, and he, and he would lose, and that would be the end of his – the footnote in his political career would be lost in a campaign for governor. So I don't think he's going to do that. But the problem is not just that Durbin may lose some swag in the Senate. The state of Illinois – is once again a sea of blue, or an island of blue and a sea of red, and we have a Republican Congress and a Republican president, Dick Durbin is going to lose some of his status no matter what because we no longer have Barack Obama in the White House. And Donald Trump is, if anything, not going to forget all of the people who said all of the things about him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this could be, could be a rough four years for the senior senator from Illinois, but I don't see anybody else out there who, who would step in. I know there are a lot of people who want to, but it, unless Durbin just wants to go home and retire and not be in public life anymore, I don't see him doing anything other than being a U.S. senator. If he does become U.S. senator, that really messes with the pecking order for what happens in 2018 in the governor's race. Uh, you know, I just I would have to say all signs point to Durbin staying in D.C. Though, like most Democrats, they're they're going to be you know hiding under the desk for a little while. The most exclusive lunch club in America. I love it. It's 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 the deliberative chamber of the legislature, but uh, describing it that way, I think it's home in a, a much more focused manner. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Thank you so much, Thanks, bud. Ben. We'll talk again soon. Have fun, boys. We'll talk to you. We'll wrap up the morning meeting next. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. All right, I've been embarrassed by my my former partner here on the show, Brian Nichols, uh, must have caught a portion, at least a portion of the show today. When I mentioned that uh, Steve Bannon had never been on the show, Mm -hmm. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but apparently 61 months ago, in October of 2011, (laughs) 
We Wait had a minute, we have a log of this somewhere? He, he, he forwarded me the tweets that he sent out. Today on the morning meeting, October 6th, 2011, this one is a crazy show. Go back and get this one out of the archive. Steve Bannon and Tony Katz. Wow. That show is probably, it, it's on fire right now in digital archive. Wow. Is, is all I could imagine there. So, okay, we have had Steve Bannon on the show before. Uh, great. I might go back and refamiliarize <laughs> myself with it. You, well, you do. What, 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 Producer Josh, we're like coming up on like 1,700 shows, original shows here on Morning Meeting. We're getting there. So We're getting yeah, there. It's, uh, it, it's, if, go back, grab some of the archive uh, audio and enjoy it. So that was October 6th of 2011 we had steve bannon on the show thanks brian i appreciate uh the reminder that's gonna do it for us this morning on the morning meeting more morning meeting coming up tomorrow travis aiken travis aiken and uh travis aiken has a a new uh angle on a on a lawsuit abuse topic something that was filed uh in in the state your mom calls home right now Uh uh-oh so we'll talk about that tomorrow all here on the morning meeting Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.